The million dollar question, how do entrepreneurs transition from self-employed to owning a business that turns a profit? My name is Chris Waters, and this podcast has the million dollar answer. Welcome to CEO Secrets. Hey guys, it's your host, Chris Waters of CEO Secrets. I am super excited to have an incredible guest on the show today, an Amazon best-selling author, Erin Urban. She is a, a strategist and executive coach and has past experience in the real estate industry at a very, very high level, working with a builder, uh, overseeing development, architecture, and design of 875 single-family homes and pivoted in her career and now is focused on helping people improve their presence, uh, helping work with clients on ultimately improving their impact influence, which all ultimately leads to you know, more income. Erin, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. And I'm very excited to be on the show today. I, you got to tell me, how did you go from being in a, in a new construction business, helping develop, design, oversee 875 homes? That's a, a bunch. That's a lot of houses. Um, and <laughs> what, was the, what caused you to go from that to executive coaching? I mean, what, what, what was going on? What was the light bulb moment? Talk to me. I've actually reinvented my career four times, Chris. So uh, that comes wow. as a shock as a lot of people. So I graduated college as a senior architect and designer. I'm not even graduated as a senior, but that's what I became. And through that evolution, I not only uh, managed and put in, uh, oversaw the design and architectural construction of over 875 homes, uh, residential family, single family, and also oversaw over 3 million square feet of commercial real estate, uh, commercial redesign. And, um, yeah, so I'm very familiar in the space. Um, became a project manager from after all that. I decided I didn't like um, the brand, <laughs> how architect and designers presented themselves, did not align with my values and my authenticity. So I moved forward into project management and also found that you make a lot more money as a project manager anyway. That comes as a surprise to a lot of people. And kept with commercial real estate, actually here in Houston, Texas. I uh, was the co-project managers to put Chevron in the old Enron buildings. If you're from the area, you might be familiar with that. And that project took over five years, around about six and something, some change. After that, I realized I was kind of tapped out in the project management facilities area. And I was, yeah, really what I love to do the most, I love to help implement change and help people grow and evolve and and then I, that's when I started my journey in continuous improvement coaching. I'm a Lean Six Sigma black belt and continuous improvement, process improvement. I went from there into individual coaching uh, groups, you know, doing speaking workshops. Yeah, yeah, not the ha not that kind. No, it's a, it's a Lean Six Sigma's continuous improvement process for culture change and innovation. How long were you in the new construction and commercial uh, development design world? Oh, now you're asking me to think, Chris. I was, um, it's been a little while ago, but I was in that market for know, almost 15 years or more before I decided to make my last shift and move full time into you know, coaching, consulting, that sort of thing. What do you feel like, you know, there's a lot of people in the executive coaching and consulting world. What is it that, you know, you feel like you have that's like an innate competitive advantage to a lot of the other executive coaches out there to help? people have impact and influence and ultimately help grow their income. 
Great question. So one of the things I do is I'm a big nerd. I study neuroscience, social psychology. I have a, cert a certification in leadership psychology, for example. And, you know, how the brain works and how people understand how we present ourselves and what that means. And I do a lot of uh, focus around conscious language choices. You know, what the words you say, particularly now in a very virtual environment, it has such a powerful meaning. And it's, it's actually false to think, oh, the words you choose don't matter. It, they do, in fact. It's all a part of your brand and how you present yourself. So that's how I stand out is I really leverage that science. You know, it's not just all theory. I find that a lot of, take for example, self-help books or professional growth books and those sorts of things, they talk a lot about theory, but they don't give you actionable steps. And that was one of the reasons why I wrote my book in the first place, because I want to give people real tangible action steps. I want to get to your book in a minute, but I'm kind of curious, what's your, you know, specific to the, the neuroscience you're referencing earlier, what's your take on... There, there are apps for your cell phone that um, mm -hmm. you can download and you can buy these devices that go into your phone and they clip to your ear and it measures your heart rate variability and it helps you understand if you're in the sympathetic or parasympathetic, um, you know, part of your body as you're, you know, going mm -hmm. about your day or whatever. And um, these, you know, the, the app you can kind of watch in, you know, see if you're in the green or in the red. What's your take on that? How do you, do you incorporate that into into any of your training specific to the neuroscience and, you know, just uh, trying to improve. Well, that's more around, um, you know, self, I, I would guess mindfulness, being aware of self and where you are emotionally. It's a part of what I would consider managing emotions and mindset. It's a part of that structure becoming, and it's a part of the awareness cycle. So the first thing we all need to do is actually become aware. Then we can actually take action because it's hard to take action against something you have no idea where you're even at. So those apps are super useful to get, you know, more aware and understanding what's going on in your body. And what I do is I would say, if you're using one of those apps, I would encourage people to understand, okay, when you're in those modes, what's the language you use? What's the emotion that you're feeling and where is it showing up in your body? And the more you're aware of those types of cues, the better able you are to actually manage that because people erroneously think that these things drive them and actually you drive that you don't have to be a slave to it so there's a great book out there i love called the ant and the elephant have you heard that by chance i have not yeah that sounds very interesting so it's it's a story uh, it's i mean a really easy quick read but essentially it's the ant and the elephant is you know a analogy for your conscious and your subconscious mm -hmm. and you know, there's a lot of amazing books out there about the power of your subconscious mind. And so something I'm like, I'm curious about is like, you know, you mentioned just a minute ago about like consciously being very intentional with the words you choose. Mm -hmm. A lot of that can be, you know, very difficult to do, you know, especially depending on what's going on in the subconscious. Like how do you, how do you program the subconscious to help, help eliminate or reduce those moments when you're, you know, you just have those like, you know, things just blurred out and it may not have been the best choice of words. Great question. So actually by becoming conscious about the words you choose, that's how you program your subconscious. And I could get very technical and, and I won't. <laughs> I'll try to stay high level. But if you really want to program your subconscious, your mindset, um, how you respond to scenarios and situations, first of all, I recommend you pick one not try to pick a dozen. So pick one thing you want to focus on first and become aware of what your triggers are, 
when they happen, what scenarios are those things that trigger that unfortunate response, whatever it is you want to change. And then start becoming aware about how the choices you can make. And actually, it sounds weird, but first thing in the morning and in the evening, your brain is more of an alpha uh, brainwave, which is actually more in sync with your subconscious mind. So it writes directly in the cerebellum. In other words, it writes directly into your automatic programming. Okay, so first thing in the morning, last right before bed as you're relaxed, getting ready to go to sleep. Think and visualize how you want to be and what you want to say. And that actually helps reinforce a new program and it prunes away the old program. So you're developing new neural networks, new neural pathways, and your cerebellum's imprinting a new way of being. It's, it's a saying we like, we like to throw around says in order to create a new mind, you have to lose your old mind. You have to lose your mind to create a new mind. <laughs> you have to lose that. You have to prune away the old bad habits. And hey, guess what? It doesn't happen overnight, but it happens a lot faster than you think, you know, in about two months. Have you I've read the book? Seen, I've uh, seen transformation results in 30 days. Have you read the book Think and Grow Rich? I have. In fact, it's one of my research uh, novels that I have. Um, it's a very interesting book. He gives it all, in the, all the way in the first chapter, by the way. You don't have to read the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, so what, what he mentions in the book is like when you wake up and right before you go to bed, you're like, mm -hmm. you have the, you know, the best access to your subconscious mind mm -hmm. and you know, he, he talks about like saying what it is you want, visualizing it. And then most importantly, which seems to be the X factor among a lot of these books specific to this, the power of the subconscious mind is, is most importantly, imagine having it and, and imagine what that would feel like. Exactly. The emotional register is very, very important. In fact, everything, all of your automatic subconscious programs are keyed into an emotion. That's one reason earlier when I said, hey, you know, when you have something going on that is not what you want to have happen, what's what's going on with that emotion? Where is it happening in your body? And that's a part of it, being able to become aware of pruning that away and then restructure. Because whenever you quote unquote visualize how you want it to be, we need to have the right emotion associated with it. So connecting that emotion with the program is really, really important. Um, and right before bed, it's interesting when Napoleon Hill wrote Think and Grow Rich, he had no concept about words like mindset. Neuroscience hadn't even, I mean, it was extremely rudimentary, uh, if it, even if it was called that at that time. So he didn't know why, but it's very fascinating. These concepts have been around well over 100 years um, before him, Wallace Waddles actually wrote about that. So yeah, right before bed, uh, right when you wake up, your brain waves is actually in a more relaxed state, what we call the alpha state, and you're easily accessing the subconscious rewrite your programs. So in your book, I'm kind of curious, your book, by the way, an Amazon best-selling book, uh, congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Um, it's called Elevate Your Career, More Impact, More Income. I have, I have not read your book yet. I'm, I'm kind of curious, what can people expect to get out of the book? I know that's something you work on with people is just helping them create a career action plan mm -hmm. uh, so they can open up more opportunities and, uh, you know, and you help them discover, you know, specific small shifts they can make to get real results. What are the questions or thought provoking questions you're putting in the book to help people kind of go through that uh, self-discovery process? And what are some of the nuggets you're doing when you're working with people one-on-one -on -one to help them make those shifts to you know, knock down some of those, uh, those hurdles in their way. All right. Right. 
you know, a lot of that we've already covered. So I talked about, you know, emotional, um, managing your emotions and mindset. And that's something that was chapter three, actually. I talk about the atmosphere for growth because you can read all the self-help books, your career growth books, motivation books, leadership books, all of them you want to in the whole world. And they won't do anything if you don't have the mindset for growth. So it's first establishing that and I give a framework about what that looks like. And then giving people tactical, real, tangible, and very simple steps to identify what your roadblocks are. And like I said before, we don't want to tackle everything. We're going to focus on those very significant shifts. Because oftentimes when I work with people, it's it's not a reinvention here. We're not talking about the phoenix rising from the fire. We're not talking about total reinvention. We're talking about some small, subtle, oftentimes subtle, and significant shifts in how we either act, behave, what things we might say that are creating roadblocks for ourselves. Well, we should let's let's things, role play for a minute. Let's pretend I'm one of your clients and yeah. um, coaching me. Like let's role play that process of the um, you know questionnaire you may take me through to help identify what one of my roadblocks is. Well, first thing, Chris, what I ask is, what's your goal? What goal do you have? What's your what? big, big, hairy goal? Yeah. Big, hairy, audacious goal. Uh, it's to build the largest real estate company in the world that has a social impact for the greater good of mankind. So it's very much in alignment with your book, you know, Impact, mm-hmm. right? So Absolutely. Um, impact from a career perspective is in the real estate industry. But um, one of my biggest interests, especially having kids, is having a, an impact beyond just that industry, giving back, right? So mm-hmm. um, there's the... Uh, altruist component of it. It's kind of like Tom's shoes, you know, um, yeah. when they give away a pair of shoes. So the thing I'm uh, interested in is finding finding a way to leave the world a better place and uh, doing that through our organization. That's outstanding. When you think about that goal, Chris, you, you, you hold that in your mind. What comes up for you? What's your feeling around that? And what we're looking for here is anything that doesn't support that goal. So we're kind of shortcutting. You know, obviously these steps take a little bit longer. We're kind of condensing that a little bit. We're looking for any kind of language internal or anything you articulate that comes up for you. Or maybe it's even automatic. You don't even think about it. That's not supporting that goal. Yeah, great question. So uh, I'd say for me personally, the thing I think about is the the industry as a whole is changing rapidly. There's a lot of private equity and venture capital coming into the industry and trying to disrupt the industry. You know, I, I guess as an example, for people watching this, most people know what I'm talking about. There's uh, Zillow Offers, mm-hmm. um, you know, the uh, Open Door. There's companies that are trying to create liquidity in a marketplace, which would greatly reduce the role of the real estate agent and, and um, you know, the corresponding brokers that support those agents. You know, it's kind of a question of, um, you know, do we continue going down the path we're going down or do we uh, make some pivots to compete with those, those companies mm-hmm. head on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what we're looking for here is like the emotional, you know, roadblocking type thoughts. And I'll give you an example. When you think about that, and this is probably not something you're experiencing, but when you think about that, do you, do you ever have the language, you know, oh, it's a, it's a negative language, like I can't, or this seems really big, or it's, it's a lot, or overwhelmed. These, this type of language, even something as simple as one of my coaching colleagues shared with me, she goes, I know I say life is really hard a lot. And she goes, and I'm creating this 
automatic response and I'm going to see everything is hard and therefore I respond to it that way and therefore it is. So my challenge to you, Chris, is to really analyze. And this is what I encourage all my clients to do for about a couple of weeks. You analyze based on where you want to go, the conscious language and sometimes unconscious language choices that we use is in alignment or not. Is there a dissonance? Because wherever that friction lies is going to be a roadblock for you in achieving that goal. I would say my roadblock to go down that rabbit hole a little bit further would be time. Mm -hmm. So a lot of, you know, the benefit of VC and private equity companies is, you know, they don't need to make a profit. And so they can grow very quickly, you know, pouring in hundreds of millions of dollars to scale really quickly at the uh, expense of having to make a profit. So you can greatly accelerate, you know, how fast the business scales and the impact the business has uh, when you're, when you're focused on the growth and not the net income. Right. And so it's, it's, uh, it's time. Like a decision has to be made quickly. Do I go raise a billion dollars or do I go and uh, keep going down the path we're going, leading with revenue and using profits to reinvest in the growth? Right, right. Yeah. So then if time is the issue, what's the language you use around that either internally or externally? Because oftentimes what's internally will come out externally and we don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. Are you having a ne- negative connotation around that time? if that's your focus, right? That's what we're looking for is, are we scripting? Do we have the right script that supports the goals? Are we having a script that's actually creating that a a longer term return on investment on that goal or inhibiting us from achieving that goal? And the same thing goes for our presence. You know, when we want to show up more powerfully in a space, are we in alignment with the presence we want to create or, or yeah. our actions and words actually in dissonance? Who are some of the people that have influenced you? Who do you learn from? Who do you look, look up to in this space? That's a good question. Um, right now I'm doing a lot of research for my next book, <laughs> which is going to take this to the, to the next step, the next level, if you will, because elevates your career for more impact and income. It was kind of, it's kind of like a soft introduction. Don't dive into all the neuroscience, but do introduce it. So one of those might be uh, Joe Dispenza. He goes really out there with quantum physics and neuroscience and, and gets a, a very much in the weeds, very heavy read for a lot of people. Um, another person in the leadership space that I think has an outstanding brand is John Maxwell. I've always enjoyed you know, listening to John, and watching his videos. He's so personable. You get him right away. I mean, talk about someone who really doesn't have much in the way of roadblocks between what he delivers and what his conscious intention is to deliver. You know, that's, that's a great example. So those are two really good examples of different ends of the spectrum, entirely polar opposites on the end of the spectrum, but good examples who I look up to. How long do you think it takes you to work with someone until you truly know them and you can help guide them in the right path? I give everybody a complimentary um, introduction section session with me, just a, like a consultation call. And by the end of that consultation call, we'll know whether we're a good fit or not. And then I would say within the first 60 minutes, it will know, right? You know, is this a good fit? You know, we, I am, I am an action oriented coach. So <laughs> I'm not the person who's going to drag this process out forever. I like, you know, getting things done, moving from knowledge to action to results very, very quickly. So take, for example, my career clarity and goal setting work I do with people. Those 
those types of work, we're only a couple of hours. Not, I wanna, not I wanna pivot for a minute. I gotta ask you something. So a lot of people probably listening to this now, they heard they've heard me say twice, you're an Amazon best-selling author. If anybody's listening to this podcast now and they're interested in writing a book, what little nuggets would you share with them on how to become a best-selling author on Amazon? How to become a best-selling author? Well, that is a deep dive into something. Okay, first of all, it's a lot of project management involved in that. I just jokingly shared with a colleague in the project management world. He said, how's the book going? I said, great. But the only reason he was a bestseller is because I'm a good project manager. I really do need to manage that process. And there is a process. I mean, having being able to articulate it just, just the right amount of time in advance, being able to share that with your audience, being able to share that with a follower, having a presence, you know, knowing who the ideal audience is in the first place. I mean, there's a whole host of things that we need to keep in mind. But whenever you're thinking about writing a book, understanding your platform, what's the brand? Who's your ideal you know, like reader? Right? Who do you want to reach with that? And can you gain that followership if you don't already? And you need to start now because that's what makes your book a bestseller or not. It's the people supporting you and being engaged in that book and saying, yes, I want this to be a part of my life. And if you so, have that followership, yeah. it's very difficult to achieve bestseller. So there's, there's people that, um, you know, Tim Ferriss and others that share their hacks with how to create a bestselling book. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, they talk about, um, you know, delivering, a couple hundred books to people they know and getting each person to write a review yeah. within a very mm -hmm. short time period. Um, did you do that by chance? I did. I did. I had what I called my fan club. Mm -hmm. And to that fan club, I gave them a free copy of my book in, in return for a review. Hey, top tip, Amazon does not post all of the reviews. So out of the 30 some reviews I got within that week, they only posted 12. Hmm. Here's another thing. Don't get your mom, dad, boyfriend, husband, sister, brother on Amazon. Amazon, well, it's kind of like Google. They know everything about you. And if you share an address or maybe you ship something to someone from that address, they will exclude that review. Hmm. Yeah. So what, what do you think are some of the other ingredients? So you did the review thing. What are some of the other things to improve your chances of becoming a best-selling author? Well, first of all, the followership I've mentioned before. And with those followers, you want to start warming them up a couple of weeks in advance, but don't inundate them. Inundation time comes when your book is launched. So your book's live. That's when you start inundating them. But warm them up. Get them excited about it. Share maybe an excerpt with them, you know, talk about some freebies or I'm always I'm a big proponent of giveaways or resources that you can give them. Get them excited and then really hit them with the inundation that launch week and the week after because you don't want to dry up right after launch day, right? Um, and that's the thing. You'll be posting on social media three, four times a day. And one thing I did was I did a live book launch on live on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube the day of. And that was a big hit as well. What, do you have a social media channel you're probably, you spend the most time on? Mm -hmm. I mean, usually on LinkedIn, pretty much every day. What are you doing on LinkedIn to grow your following? One of the things I do is I do LinkedIn Lives every Tuesday at 11 o'clock Central Standard Time. It's called Career Coffee Chat Show, and it's also my podcast. 
And also I'm on there sharing free resources. So I do share blogs and articles. I have a career growth series right now on my blog. I share that on LinkedIn. And I also have a schedule. Um, I post certain types of content on certain days. And the reason I do that is because my followers, it's not for everybody, but my followers like that routine. They appreciate knowing when to expect certain types of content from me, whether it's a top you know, tip about career growth, or whether it's an insight about mindset. So they know when to expect it. And that's my strategy is I'm also not posting several times a day normally. Aaron, I know you're also on the um, Forbes Coaches Council, mm-hmm. member of the Forbes Coaches Council. What's the benefit of being on that council? Do you, do you write articles for Forbes? I'm a Forbes contributor. That's right. Okay. So that's one of the big benefits about being a, on the Forbes Coaches Council, other than being a part of the elite coaching um, stratas, if you will. It's also being a Forbes contributor, which is a big deal. Everybody knows Forbes, right? Um, what's interesting is a Forbes article shared by Forbes on LinkedIn will get so much more traction than an individual article might. What's the process look like to become a member of the um, Forbes Coaches Council? You have to be referred, and then they look into your background to see if you are a good candidate. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's accepted. Do you know how many how many contributing members they have? I really don't know. Yeah, but it's certainly something lot, you can right? find out. Off the top of my head, I would have to say it's probably because they have different coaches councils. They have a business council. They have different types of leadership councils, et cetera. So I would say probably around 3,000, maybe, maybe wow. more. That's wild. Do you get paid when you post an article on there? No. Wouldn't that be nice? But no, I don't. <laughs> Do you feel like that's had a positive impact on helping you grow your business? I feel like it's a great credibility. Um, it's a part of the brand, you know, being attached to that. And any anytime to that shift, I'm, I'm perfectly willing to pull the plug as well. But as of right now, it is a good um, credibility uh, to have because a lot of people don't know the more minor things like I have a host of certifications, but not everybody understands what that means, right? Yeah. If literally you like surveyed all the mediums where you're spending time and money to market and promote yourself, uh, if you had to eliminate everything but one, what's the one thing that you would uh, continue doing uh, to help you grow your your brand and your business? I'd stay on LinkedIn. That's where my audience is. Uh, For some people, it's Facebook. Um, If you're uh, residential real estate, that might be your place. But for me, it's LinkedIn. And I could let go of everything else. And my followership probably would not be affected at all. You mentioned your um, the podcast you host on LinkedIn Live. Can you record a podcast on on um, Zoom, for example, and then uh, send it, uh, you know, take the download and upload it to LinkedIn? Is that does, is that possible? You can, but doesn't uh, doesn't qualify for LinkedIn Live. So LinkedIn Live okay. literally has to be a live. They'll only allow so many minutes of uh, pre-recorded content. So say if you have a show opener, for example, uh, you can do that. But yeah, no, it has to be a live show and you have to be on there uh, a certain amount. You can't just go several weeks and not do a live. They don't like that. Speaking of uh, back to the Forbes thing, was it a daunting process to get uh, be accepted to Forbes? Uh, no, um, because, well, not for me. I couldn't speak to it now. I've, I've been a Forbes Coaches Council member since I think the first year they started. Um, so my badge doesn't even have a year on it. <laughs> because they didn't used to do that. Um, so I couldn't speak to what it is now. 
But for me at that time, it was a little intimidating because he did have some requirements that I was like, oh, like say, for example, I had to have a Twitter account. I didn't even have a Twitter account up until that point. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I guess I have to create a Twitter account now. Um, but fortunately, I think based on my presence on LinkedIn, I passed. <laughs> That's great. Well, um, so I want to I want to finish the show up by telling um, you've, you've shared a lot of amazing nuggets, by the way. I personally learned a lot just specifically about um, the power of LinkedIn. I don't think I'm taking that into account. But to your point, in um, in real estate, you know, it's a B2C thing versus you being B2B. So that's kind of an important thing to differentiate. And that's those are cool, those nuggets about the book and, um, you know, the conscious and the subconscious uh, and you know, I'm, I'm really, uh, really curious to go through your book now to kind of get the framework and the action plan. So as we sign out, could you tell people where they can, uh, obviously they can get the book on Amazon, but do you have a website where they can learn more about you, read more about you? And I'm assuming they can probably just buy it straight from the website. Absolutely. You can find me at coach E urban. So that's first initial last name, coach E urban.com. Cool. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for being on CEO secrets. Uh, for all of you guys that are tuning in, be sure to hit that subscribe button if this is your first time tuning in. And um, Aaron, thanks so much for being on uh, CEO Secrets. Um, best of luck with your new upcoming book. And um, I'm looking forward to getting a copy of your new book. And I uh, look forward to seeing you guys next time. Want more CEO Secrets? If so, you can get a free copy of my book, The Million Dollar Real Estate Team at www.themilliondollarrealestateteam.com for free. Inside this book, you'll find my top secrets that we've used to net $1 million in just three years.